Rabbi, we are on Yud Chesamadala, 16 lines. Yud Chesamadala, um, sorry, what did I say? 16 lines. The first word is Domi, and the yeah, second yeah. word is Mesu. Yeah. yeah? Yeah? Okay. So we learn like this. The, the Mishnah says, Misha Mesa Mutalafonov, somebody where the Mesa is in front of him, pulls him a Krishman, and it's Philim, and it's Philim, commits or somewhere as Batira. That's what the Mishnah says. So the Gemara says, we, we, in the Mishnah, from the wording of the Mishnah, it implies Mesa N, Avon Mashamra Life. Avon Mashamra Life. Mesa, that means that if Mesa means his mace, means it's his relative. If he's got a mace who he has to look after for, to bring to Kavura, then he's potter from all the mitzvahs. However, somebody who's Shaima, who just sits there, a non-relative, who is a Shaima, who's looking after the mess, right, you know, when a person lies there, you, you have Shmira, but somebody who's a Shaima, is not a relation, he's not potter for mitzvahs. So, that's what it says. Mesa en, avon mashamra light. So the Mishnah implies somebody who's just guarding, who's doing shmira on the, on, the, on the maze, and is not a relative of the maze, is not possible for Krishna. That's the mashmar of Mishnah. And now the Gemara of the Kashi, Yudchesamadalas. Alright. Vatanya, we learnt in a price, that Hamashama is a maze, somebody who's guarding a dead body. Afapi, you have to be shmira minach borim. Right? Because from mice might come and, and, and nibble away at the dead body. And therefore, the halacha is that if, for example, somebody dies in hospital and they're put into the, the, there's a, um, what do you call it? Yeah, a fridge. Sorry? Yeah, in the mortuary, mortuary. There's, there's a fridge where it's put in the fridge and therefore you've got no worry about for him. I mean, ikar din, you haven't got a din of shmira. Sometimes people still do it because it's a cover for the maze sort of thing, but I mean, halacha, you don't have to do shmira. So anyway, somebody does Shemir, I'm a Shamesa Mace, Apopisha Enimesa, even though it's not his relative, Potomit Krishna, Minatfila, Minatfilin, Mikomitsa, Samuras Batira. So in other words, the Mishnah, from the implication of the Mishnah, it's only Mesai. Misha Mesa, Mutla, Fono, Potomit Krishna, etc. If it's his relative. And from the Brysa, and, 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 and we learn from if somebody who's just an ordinary Shimer would not be Potter. Whereas the Brysa says, a Shimer is also Potter. So the Brisa seems to be a steer against the Mishnah. The answer is the Gemara, no. Mashamra Apopisha in the Mesai, and Mesa Apopisha in the Mashamra. Basically, the Mishnah and the Brisa, they complement one another. They come together. The Brisa tells us that if he's Mashamra, he's guarding the body, even if the Mace is not his relative, he's possible from Krishna, etc., etc. The Mishnah is telling us that Mesa Apopisha in the Mashamra that a mate, his mate, his relative is a mate, even if he's not at that moment being doing Shmira, but he's busy with other things because he's got, we said, Mutla Lav Lakavra, he has got to bury him, and therefore he's busy with other things and he's not being Shima the mate at the time. He's also possible from Krishna because he is tolerant, he's busy with looking after the. Um, Looking after the, the the mace, the needs of the mace. Can they have a family, uh, that what? If somebody is not a family, yeah, he's put a kavachoma. You mean if a shoma thing kavachom? No, you can't make a kavachom because you would say, well, I'll tell you why a shoma thing because he's right there by the dead, he's needed. That could be a mace who's not a shoma 
he's somewhere in another house, he's not needed so much, you might think therefore he is not potter. <laughs> even if he's in another house and he's not being Shima, he is Chayas. Well, the reason is different in any case. With the, with the, the relative, it's because he's Torod. With the Shima, he's Isaac the Mitzvah. That's right. Well, yeah, but it's the same thing. Torod means your Torod the Mitzvah is your Isaac the Mitzvah. You're busy with, you're, you're, you're busy with looking after the fact that he has to be brought to Kvura, which is a sort of an Isaac the Mitzvah. Hmm. Any case, so, so, so put it this way. So the answer is that both are Shima. And, and somebody who has a relative, even if he's not a Shima, a potter from Krishna, etc. Says the Gemara as follows. Mesoi Mashamra ends. So now we've established that either it's Mesoi, his relative, or Mashamra, or it's a Shima, and then he, they, they, yes, they're both exempt from Krishna. But if you're just walking in the base of Kavoras, and then you're, you're near Kavoram, near those people, then you're not possible in Kriya Shema. For Tanya, but we learnt in the Brisa, like Yehalech Odom Bebeisat Kvoros, a person may not walk, walk in the Beisat Kvoros in the cemetery, or Tfilin Baraisho, with Tfilin on his head, the Sefer Torah of the Zerayi or while reading from a Sefer Torah which is in his arm, right, Vim Isakain, and if he does so, over Mishum, he's done Navera, because of the Posuk, there's a Posuk in Mishli, which is Loyagla Rosh, He's mocking, I mean, he's making fun of a poor person. A rosh means a poor person. And as Rashi says, no one is poorer than a mess because a mess can't do anything. Cheref Oseu. The Gemara will later on explain what Cheref Oseu means. The translation of Cheref Oseu means he blasphemes his maker. As if he's sort of mocking, making fun of, of his maker. By, by, by mocking a, a poor person, you're so to say. Uh, giving curses or blaspheming your maker. The Gemara will explain that possibly afterwards. But in any case, the point is, the question of the Gemara is as follows. We've learned that only if you're Mesai or Meshamrai, so you're busy, you're Osif, Osif, a Mitzvah, or you're Torah, or whatever it is. But if you're walking in the Beisach Kvoros, then you're hired. Yet the Brisa says, like, Yehalei Chodem Beisach Kvoros is for Nebaraisha, the Sefer Tribe, etc., etc. You can't do any Mitzvahs. So, it seems to go against what the implication is of the, the, the mission of the Bryce that we've learned that it only applies to somebody who is Mesai or somebody who is Shima. Answer the Gemara, no. Hosn Teich Abba Amasud Ozra. The Bryce which says, like, Halech Odom Beis Akvaris, a Tvil and Barashe, a Sefer etc., is doing any mitzvahs, that's only within Abba Amas, within four Amas of the men. Chutz Abba Amas Chayat. But if he's more than four amas away from the mace, then he's high for Krishna. The so, Omama, because we, we learnt, mace typhus abba amas of Krishna. It literally translation means a dead body seizes the four amas surrounding it as far as reciting Krishna. In other words, if you're within Dalad amas of the mace, then you mustn't do Krishna because like Larot. If on the other hand you're more than Dalad amas away, then, uh, then you're high. As opposed to, as opposed to somebody who's occupied with a mitzvah, of his, his mitzvah, or he's guarding it, is doing shemira, then even if the mess is more than Daladamas away, he's still potter. Oh, so now says the Gemara's father. Gufa, we learned. It's just repeating what it said. Hamashametz on mace, somebody's looking after a dead body, apapisha any mitzvah, even though it's not his own relative, potter me kriyashema, minatzvila, minatzvilin, mikol mitzvah samuris patayra. Hoyushnaim. What happens if there were two people who came to be shown in the body? 
זה משמה וזה קורא, וזה משמה וזה קורא. One does the Shmira, while the other one can say Shema, and then, when, and then they turn around and then they, they change. And the other one watches while the first one says Shema. Right? Because you only need one person to do the Shmira. So you've got two people, and they both need to say Shema. So one looks and the other one says Shema, and then when he comes back, he does, the second one does the Shmira and the first one says Shema. Benazar, I mean, Benazar says like this, how you born the Svila? They were travelling on a boat, they can leave the body in one corner and they can and they can go both and dab it in another corner in other words what they're saying is you don't have to do Shemir at all if it's on a boat now the Tanakama says you've got to do Shemir if they're two people however what you do is one person does a Shemir and one person can dab Oh, they don't talk about spinner. But since they mention some when there's two people, and they don't, they don't mention spinner. You're quite right. Therefore, it applies at any time, at any time. Uh, otherwise, it would say with a spinner not. It would mention whether it's it thinks. So, according to the Tanakama, in every single situation, if you've got two people, one does the shmira and one from Zavon, and then the other one, and then they swap. Whereas when Azai says, however, when it comes to a boat, you don't have to, the two, even, even if they're two people. So one could take a turn while one davens, you don't have to. The two can go into another corner and daven and leave the mace all on his own. So answer tomorrow, my Benaya. What is the difference between the Tanakam and Ben Azai? The answer is, the, the, the issue between them is whether they're concerned about, about, not just about Achborim the, the Gemara is a bit short here but it means Achborim on a boat both everyone says you've got to do Shmira for a mate the question is whether you have to do Shmira for a mate on a boat Master Hashinon the Tanakama holds we are concerned about mice even on a boat and therefore one must always one person must always stay there to guard that for some reason, I don't know why a boat should be different than somewhere else. Perhaps in those days the boat didn't go right near the shore and they couldn't come through the water. I don't know. But Masava, it doesn't Rashi doesn't say anything. Rashi says no one says reason why Ben Azai says we're not worried about mice on a boat. So since we're not worried about mice on a boat, we've got no din shmira, and therefore even though there's two people and one could take the turn, they don't have to. They can both go and down in one corner and leave the mace alone. Okay. What about other animals like vultures or, or you know, I mean, other animals can also. I don't know. Take it seems to be. It seems to be the main worry was. I mean, look, for a vulture to come in is something highly unusual. Yes. When's the last time you've seen a vulture coming through the window? It doesn't happen very often. Bodies, though, aren't they? Oh, yeah, that could be, yeah, but it, only if it's lying in the outside. Yes. Yeah, vultures, outside. you know, if, yes. if, if a lion gets killed or an yes. animal gets killed, then they come down in the outside. Yes. Yes. But for a vulture to come into the house where a mace is very oh, unusual, no, with Achborim, I'm sure you, I'm sure in your time you've seen mice. Yes, of course. Right, that's the way. So that's a normal thing for Choshen and Achborim. The whole argument here between the Tanakam and Ben Azai is when it comes to a boat, for some reason Ben Azai feels that mice are less likely to come onto in a boat than they are onto dry land. Why? I'm not quite sure. No, so I feel difficult to understand. Why? Because there's a, 
Both of them, there's no, they can't dig down in the clay, there's no food for them. Uh, okay, fine. Crazy, it's but both attract vermin, don't they? Yeah, they do. Mm. They do. Yeah, okay. It depends. Let's say maybe it's a, a, a vote that doesn't come on shore or something. It remains. I don't know what it is, but Ben Azai seems for some reason to say. Yeah, perhaps in those days it was a bit different. I don't know. Perhaps uh, Martin want to go on boats. They didn't know where they're going to land up. I don't know. They might get on the boat and they land up in South <laughs> Africa. In fact, they didn't have a visa. Pretty right, pretty right. <laughs> or a passport. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, Son Rabbanon. Somebody is transporting human bones from one place to another. Right? It can sometimes happen. I know, for example, I have a relation who was buried in Cheshunt, and his wife went many years later, went to Aliyah, and she wanted his uh, mm-hmm. his his Thomas, his bones to be brought to near you know to to Aristotle so that she could go to the best of forest there. She was too old to start coming back to England. Yeah, that's right. It's all got to be done with the Home Office. It's a whole. It's not so simple to do that. In fact, there was a case recently in our Aristotle Burial Society where a woman had moved also to Aristotle and she wanted her husband to be the bones to be taken there. And the rest of the family didn't want it. So, so Beryl Society went to the, the um, Diane, what's his name? Um, Diane Friedman. Diane Friedman. When's Diane Friedman? He's the one who passed them on behalf of the Beryl Society. And he said, listen, unless the whole family agree, we can't do it. And she took the matter to court, took the other of Beryl Society to court. A civil court? Yes, yeah, a civil court. And uh, the, the judge said, no, listen, this is, you know, if the whole family don't agree, then the best thing have given a correct pasak. So, anyway. So, you're transporting bones from one place to another. You shouldn't put it in a sack. A daskaya is actually a saddlebag. It comes from the word, it's, it's a compound word, it means du sakaya. Du means two, sakaya means sack. So when you've got a saddlebag which goes on both sides of the animal, that's called a diskaya. So what you're saying is, I shouldn't put them in a sack and put them on a donkey. The year kavaleim and then ride astride them. In other words, you're sitting literally more or less on top of the bones because it's a minig. Why? Because you're treating the bones, the bones will still come from a, a, a human being, from a person, and you're treating them disrespectfully. Isn't that self-evident? Sorry? Isn't that self-evident? Well, that is, but, but the, 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 the reason, perhaps, why the Gemara says this is because of the next bit. However, if he's scared of goyim, listim, or bandits, and he needs to ride the donkey, he needs to hurry away, and he's got the bones there, he doesn't have to take the bones off and thing, he, he, you know, he, he's scared for his life, sort of thing. Then Mutter, then it's allowed for him to ride while astride the bones. That's, that's the reason why I mentioned it. Yeah. Just as they said this with regard to bones, So they said this regarding a Sefer Torah, meaning you can't put a Sefer Torah on, uh, on a um, donkey, and sort of sit on top of it, so stay and ride with it. You can't do it. The same way that you can't do it with bones, you can't do it with a safer tyre. So answer Gamora. But if he's if uh, afraid. Yeah, oh, 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 the Gamora's going to ask that now. Yeah, the Gamora's going to ask that. Ahaya. 
regarding the last um, the last sentence that we said just as it said as regards the bone on which part of the bright is it going there was a ratio and a safer the ratio says that you can't ride on it generally the safer said in times of danger you can ride on it so when we say the safer tire is the same are we, are we talking about the ratio, the first part, meaning that it's okay, it, that you shouldn't do it generally, but when, it's, when there's a danger, you can? Mm-hmm. Or, or, sorry, or does it mean the second part, when there's a danger, you yeah, can? Yeah. In other words, does it cover the whole bridle or is it any part of it? Ah, higher. ratio. If you say it refers to the first clause, which says that under normal circumstances, where there's no danger, you're not allowed to ride astride those bones, pshita. That's what he said, Clive, yeah? It's obvious that the same apply, applies to a Torah skull. Why should the Bryson need to tell us? Me got a safer Torah mouth on earth. Is a safer Torah to be treated any worse, any more disrespectful than human bones? Of course not, it's the same. So he wouldn't have to tell us if we already know by bones that you can't t- treat it in a disrespectful manner and sit on top while it's going. Then, then how much more so a safer Torah? He wouldn't need to tell us. Ella are safer, it's on the safer which it means that if there's the same way that by Asomers, if there's a danger, you're allowed to ride the donkey with the Asomers, because the danger you need to get away. So similarly, if you're worried about bandits, you're worried about listing, etc., and there's a safer tyre on it, you don't have to take it off, you can carry on riding it with a safer tyre. Well, the Hiddish is that I didn't realize that we venerate the safer tyre, there's no tyre object, yeah. so are human bones. It's true, it's true. But a safer tyro, you would say, is, is, is even more covered yes, yes, than, yes. than human bones. Yes. Right? Yes. So therefore, it wouldn't, the Gemara wouldn't, the Bryce wouldn't need to tell us that. Yes. In other words, if you already know that for bones, you can and ride you on it at times. Of, certainly, yeah. you, you can, yeah. you, you can't, uh, you, sorry, you can't ride it, uh, you can't ride it when it's bones normally. Yes. So certainly, you can't do it on a safer tyro. Yes. So it comes to tell you the second part to tell you that you might have thought, even in the times of danger, a safer tyro is so important, you still can't sit on it when the safer tyro is there. Come on, you can. Okay. Om Rachman Reb Yehuda. says, Rachman in the name of Reb Yehuda. Anyone who sees a mace and there's a funeral you pass and, and you don't go with it, you don't escort it. However, Mishum, you've done an Avera because of the Posuk, Loyag Larosh, Cherev which we had before. Somebody who mocks somebody who's poor, he blasphemes. What's a, what's a better word for blaspheme? Curses? Mm. He curses his, his mace, he curses Hashem. The Mashor explains it very beautifully. He says like this. What is the connection between a poor person? Because the translation of Loyaglarosh, which means you're mocking a poor person. And this, this is always referred to, that, like what you mentioned last week about wearing sitzes, for example. We're going to have that very shortly. About wearing sitzes. You're supposed to put your sitzes in when you go to base at forest. Why? Because of this positive, Loyaglarosh. You're mocking the people because you've still got a mitzvah of your sitzes and they haven't got so the Masha explains so why, why is Cheref I say why are you blaspheming why are you cursing your maker he says like this because somebody who mocks somebody who's poor and he doesn't treat him nice is what? why because he doesn't believe the poor person is going to be able to repay the kindness to him in other words you give some money for example you give some money to a poor person or you, you mock him right you don't treat him with enough covered why? Because you're going to think, well, what can I get out of him? He's not going to be able to uh, get any reward back from this person. This person's not going to be able to do me outside. He's a poor person. He's got nothing. 
Therefore, if you believe that, then it means you, you're not believing in Hashem's ability to repay you for the chesed that you've done to the poor person. That's pshat. And similarly here, somebody who doesn't show respect to a mate, to the dead, why? Because the dead cannot return the favor. He similarly shows us a disbelief that Hashem will um, look after him. And if he is malavim, Hashem will give him the reward. Because, well, we'll see in a minute with a proof for that. So that's how, how the Masha explains somebody who mocks a poor person is, is and, and like a poor, there's no one Rashi says there's no one poorer than a mace right and if you mock a mace or you mock a poor person you're blaspheming Hashem because you're making it out as if Hashem ca- cannot be able to give you a reward for what it what meaning devoid it's a strange expression when someone's dead to call them poor yeah. means devoid of life exactly yeah. exactly exactly now the imil veil maschorai and if he does escort the body, what's his reward? Amravati. If he does escort the body, he does go with the body, he is Malavahim, yeah. company is the mace. Mm-hmm. What is the reward? Amravati, all of our cost of Omer, regarding him, Akashbok says, Malve Hashem Chainendol. Chainendol, the apostolic means, Chainendol means you're good, you're gracious, you're nice to the poor. Malve Hashem, you're lending to Hashem, and Hashem will therefore pay you back. Rashi says slightly different. Yeah, Yishalem Lai. Yeah, that's exactly the end of the pulpit. It says Rashi says Malve Hashem Chaynendol, Kori Bein Melaver, Melaver Samochem. You're accompanying Hashem. Misha Chaynendes Adol. Anyone who is good, who is gracious to the doll, to the poor, the Elochod Dalman Ames, and no one is poorer than than the Ames. The Hamalava Isai. And if you are malava the mace, you accompany the mace, ke'ilu malava samotam. It's as if you are being accompanying Hashem. Because that's what Hashem wants you to do. You're doing what Hashem wants. It's as if you're being malava Hashem. And the Baruch will pay you back. As it says, malva Hashem, chaynendol, ugumunai yishalem lai. He will pay his reward. So that goes into what we said, what the Mashal says, yeah, that Akash Baruch will give you the reward back. And if you're disrespectful, it's like, why are you disrespectful? Because you think, I won't be able to get anything back. The dead person can't pay me back. Mm-hmm. And therefore, your cherif you your blaspheming Hashem, as if to say, he cannot give you any reward. And then, and then it carries on, another pulpit, which is a bit later on in Mishnah. It's the same sort of idea. Or Mahabdai, anyone who honors him, Chaynan Evian. Anyone who is good to an Evian, to a poor person, Mahabdai is Mahabed Hashem. So the same sort of idea as two psukim, which both give us the same idea that if you are good, if you do a chesed to the mace, you are also um, doing something good to Hashem as well. You're being a mechabed Hashem. Rabbi Chia and Rabbi Yonison were walking in a basic forest in a cemetery. How the Koshadia to sheltered Rabbi Yonison. Rabbi Yonison's sitzes were dragging over the graves. Homele of Chia said to him, Dalia, lift up your garment. Lift it up. Why? Interesting reason. It doesn't say because of Laigla Rosh. Kadesha La Yaimru, the dead should not say, Tomorrow they will be joining us. In other words, as Danny always says, no one gets out of this world alive. <laughs> Eventually you're going to die as well and join them. 
now they mock us they're mocking us by, by the tzitzis going over the graves as if to say you know we've got the mitzvah of tzitzis you haven't it's sort of like a, a disrespect to the dead so Rebchir from what Rebchir said in, in other words he said the reason you shouldn't do the tzitzis is because the mason will notice that you're wearing the tzitzis they say look tomorrow they're going to come with us and, and now at the moment they're mocking us so what does that mean? that the dead people in their graves are aware of what's going on outside because otherwise what does it mean? that the dead should not say tomorrow they're coming to it, they're joining us now they're mocking us how do the dead know what's going on? Elamai, you can see, according to what Rav Chiyot said, because Rav Chiyot was the one who told Rav Yonason, lift up your uh, cloak, that the sixes shouldn't drag on it. So it's clear that they are of the opinion, or Rav Chiyot is of the opinion, that the Masim know what's going on. In, me, in their immediate vicinity. Uh, well, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come to that, we'll come to that. Because now the tomorrow has got a long arichus about this, and there's even on the other stuff, I don't know, whether, I don't think we'll get to that tonight, a very, very interesting story of about a man who slept in the base of forest when his, uh, his wife told him off. It, we'll come to that next time. And all, it's all to discuss as to how much the Mason know. When somebody dies, what do they know? Well, you know, we don't know. Somebody actually picked Sesame today. He's very worried about dying. I said, why? Why are you worried about dying? And he said, because it's the fear of the unknown. I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen afterwards. So, and, and we, nobody's ever come back except there is one tomorrow I wanted to ask um, Rabbi A.A. Cohen where that Gemara is, because I don't know where it is, but there is a Gemara which says that Rabbi Yosef came back from Shemayim, and he says, Eilam Hafuchu, it's an upturned world. Elyonim Tachtonim, Tachtonim Elyonim. The people down here who are sort of put to one side, no one takes any note of them, they're sitting very high up in the Eilam Emes, because that's where the truth is. And the people here who make a big noise, and you know, everyone sort of bows and scrapes to them, their people are going to be sitting right at the back. So, but the, the truth is, we don't really know exactly what is going to happen. So the question is, can the Mason think or not? The Omelet Rabbi Yonison said to him, you're worried I should put my sitzes in. Why? Because of what the Mason are going to say. Me or the colour high? Do the dead really know so much about what's going on in this world? Voxiv, it says in the Possible, the Mason ain't them the dead know nothing at all. Right? This is a Possible in Kaheles. The Mason don't know anything at all. So what are you worried about that the Mason are saying thing? They don't know what's going on. Omalei said to him, <laughs> you got it wrong. In Korea, this is quite a big telling off he gave him. In Korea, Shanisa, if you learn this passage once, you couldn't have reviewed it a second time. In Shanisa, Lashalashlo, if you read it a second time, you didn't go over it a third time. Even if you did review it a third time, you didn't have it explained to you properly. Right? Because does not mean the Masons don't know anything. Right? Because he says, The Possek starts off, this is what we said, the Masons don't know anything. The Possek starts off with, the live Yodim Sheyamusa they know that they are going to die this refers to Sadiq when it says Chaim right when it says Chaim 
it's not it's talking about even if they're not alive it means a chayim even shebemisosan once they die they're still called chayim right so Rashi explains let's look at Rashi explains what we're talking about here Eved Tzadikim Amai Yadim Sheyamuthu and what does it mean that they know that they're going to die which is the beginning of the Pothic it means Naisnim Alibon Yanamisa they think about the day of death or Moshkim Yadim and Avera and they know that one day they're going to die and they're going to have to give them the Cheshbon and therefore they behave accordingly right and this is what the, the prophet that was just quoted Rishon don't know anything or Rishon sorry and Mason don't know anything which, says Rishon, which refers to Rishon Rishon what does it mean they don't know anything it means they, they make themselves nishvitendik as they say in Yiddish they don't want to know that they're going to die one day the Chaitim and they carry on in their Averis they don't worry about that one day they have to give them the Cheshman so therefore here in this Pothuk which says which starts off with Jachayim Yadim Sheyamuthu and our Mason Einim Yadim Umrah we are not talking about the living and the dead as Rashi explains the Chaim refers to the Sadiqim meaning because they behave correctly because they know one day they will die and have to give a din the Cheshman and the Ramesim refers to the Rishoyim who don't care so they both talk about living people except that the Sadiqim are they, they, they behave correctly and the Hamesim and Yodim and Mesim means refers to the Rishoyim Enim Yodim they don't think about the day of Misa because and, and therefore they don't conduct themselves accordingly they don't think they've got to give a din the Cheshman so therefore explains this, this is what Rav Chia said to Rabbi Yodison right you says that the politics says I made so many other the, the, the dead people don't know anything and therefore they won't notice that I'm dragging the slits in that's not the shot in the politics the politics there is not talking about Chaim and Mesim in the way we understand it it's talking about Sadiqim and Rishoyim and the Sadiqim right since the Chaim means Sadiqim they remain Chaim even after they're dead right and nowhere do we see this more obvious than than the sound of the art scroll you know, the founder of the art school, he was nifter two or three weeks ago, Ramea's lot of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and yet, how many people are continuing to learn from the art scroll after his death? But he's still Chaim. He's Because everyone carries on learning from... In his merit. In his merit, and learning from what he did in his life. So that's Elish Zabazikim Shemosa Nikrul Chaim. Now, where do we know this idea? Where do we know such an idea that the Sadiqim are considered living even after their death? In other words, Sadiqim Shabbat Mitzvah and Nikrochan, they're still called alive. We li- bring, we've got a posset to give support for this. Shanem, as it's in the posset. Of Noyoyo ben Yahayodo ben Ishchai. Benoyo, the son of a Yodo, he's ben Ishchai, which means the son of a living man. Rab pa'olim mekabza'el, of many achievements from Kabzaev, the name of a place, who hikar es shnei ariel mayav, he struck down the two commanders of mayav, or yorad, he went down, the hikar ari b'tachabod, and he slew a lion in a pit, for yoyim on a snowy day. Now this is the Pothic in Shmuel, and now the Gemara will explain what this means, but before it comes, starts explaining what it means, alright, it says, it brings the proof that Sadiqim Shemisosan Nitrul Chayim. 
Why? Because the Gemara says it says Ben Ishchai. Yada Abnoyu Ben Yada Ben Ishchai. That Abnoyu was the son of Yehuda, who was still a living man. There's the Gemara of the Kulei Amar Ben Mason Inu. Are the rest of the worlds and the sons of dead men? Dead men. In other words, he was saying that Abnoyu had a father called Yada, and Yada was still alive at that time. But what did he have to say, Ben Ishchai? So he just said, Benoi Ben Yada. Ben Ishchai means the, the son of a living man. Well, there's plenty of people who were who, who son of living men who've got fathers. So why do they have to mention that here? So the Gemara says, no. And the Ben Ishchai doesn't mean that his father was alive. His father was actually dead. That means, come to tell us, Even when he's dead, he's still called alive. So Benoi Ben Yada Ben Ishchai it comes to tell you not that his father was alive because that's no chiddush. There are plenty of people who got fathers alive. It comes to tell you that even though his father was dead, it was because he was a tzaddik. It was considered as if he was still alive. And if you remember, I don't know if you cast your mind back to when we learned in Daladalad Amadalad. There we talked about Yehoyada, who was the father of Benoyu, and he was the head of the Sanhedrin. So he was a tzaddik, and we see therefore, therefore we learn from that that tzaddikim b'mitzvah netrochaim. Let's just finish off the the end of the post of the explanation. Many achievements from Kabbalah. Torah means he increased and he produced achievements for Torah. And there are some people who say is even though we say Kabbalah is a place, he came from Kabbalah, but it also means Makabetel. In, in other words, he gathered people together for God's for, for Hashem's sake. What does that mean? I mean, literally, in the translation, she struck down the two commanders of Maiv. Right? But the Gemara explains it as follows, because Ariel Maiv is referred to in Yeshaya and other places as the base of Migdosh. Right? So it says, and the Shnei Ariel Maiv means the two Bote Migdosh. Base of Migdosh Arishan, Base of Migdosh Hashani. For who Hikot? Hikot means sort of he put to shame all the others because he was such a great Thomas Hochum. And therefore, it means that there was nobody who was comparable to him. He was such a, in stature, he was such a great person, neither in the Mikdashrishan or the Mikdashrishan. That's what the Hu Hikosh Nehariel Mayad means. And then we come to the last part. He went down and slew a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Some say this means the Tovagziz of the Barada. He broke through pieces of ice which formed over the water on a winter day. So the Hikos Hari, where does Ari come into? Ari is a lion. Because when you have a lion, you're very fearful. And here as well, he has great fear to go into the freezing cold water. It takes courage to do that. And that's Batacha Bar, into the bar where the water was. And it says, the Nochaz Vatovel, he went down to the well and he was he immersed himself in freezing water. Eke to Omra, others say, it means that Thomas Sifra de Rab, that he studied the entire Sifra de Rab, which is the Sifra, otherwise known as Tarath Kainim. It's the Medrash on Vayikra. And he did this on a, on a winter day. The Chiddush of a winter day, winter day is much shorter than a summer day, yet he finished the whole of Tyrus Kainem on that day. So how does that fit into the Pothuk? See, it says like this, that the, um, first of all, what's the Tachabar? Tachabar means in the middle of the pit. 
So Tyson suggests that Tzach Abbaah should be emsas for him. Because since it's a Medrash and Vayikra, Vayikra is in the middle. In the middle. You've got Bereshit Shemais beforehand, and you've got Bamidbun to borrow him afterwards, and it's Vayikra, it's in the, so it's right in the middle. That's called the Tzach Abbaah. Um, the Yom HaShelech, we said, is on, on a winter's day to tell you that even though it was a very short day. And what was the other one? The Hikos Ari. Yeah, we said it's the... Now, how does the Hikos Ari... Oh, yes. Very interesting. Pity Danny's not here. Because Ari, Rabbi Moshe Eisenman, his daddy's uncle, is brought, he makes the following suggestion, that Ari is similar to Orion. You know, you sometimes a bar Orion means it's a Tamil Chochum. And therefore, which means we're talking, Ari is talking about Orion Tyrus study, and here he learned the whole... He, he was managed to finalise the whole of the Medrash of Ayikra of Tyrus Kainim in one day. So that was the... What do you call it? That was that's the, the, the translation of that prophet. So the Ari is not literal? No. no, no, exactly. That's what Gemara explains. What does all that mean? Because it's, it's, How do you understand it? It's, you know, it was brought originally to tell you that that Sadiqim Shem Mimsoth and Korah Chaim because he's called the Benish Chaim and what's the Chiddush telling him that his father's alive there's many people whose fathers are alive the Chiddush is to tell you that if, even though the father was dead he was still considered Chaim because he was the head of Sanhedrin he was a big Tzaddik and then it starts explaining all these other things their allusions they refer if you look at Rashi in this week's Tash of Devorim Moshe Rabbeinu is telling off Klal Yisrael and because he doesn't want to tell off Klal Yisrael directly he, he alludes to different things. If you look at the first two or three psukim of Rashi, here in this week's, this week's Pasha of Devorim, you will see he alludes to things. So here as well, these psukim, they allude to various things. And the Gemara explains what that is. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay, I wish you all a good summer holidays. And we will, we will come... We will resume, uh, I don't know, whenever the psukim starts.